Toasted Sister Podcast. I'm Andy Murphy. And I'm Alicia Murphy. And for this special episode, I'm handing the reins over to my sister. She went to the World Indigenous Business Forum in New Zealand. I'm Andy's younger sister. I am in my first year of study in the Doctorate of Economic Development program at New Mexico State University in Las Cruces, New Mexico. With the help from my college, Aggies Go Global, which is a program at NMSU, and the American Indian Program, and the support of my family, I was able to go to the World Indigenous Business Forum in Rotorua, New Zealand. So the World Indigenous Business Forum is a platform that engages indigenous people in global economic discussions. So all of these important people, these indigenous leaders, these delegates from all over the world are invited to one place in New Zealand to talk about indigenous business industry, academic research, and working with government sectors. I've learned that indigenous business around the world is thriving. The first event really kicked off the week with incredibly rich discussions about the need to bridge indigenous academic research and theory on business with the practice of business. So it was a very important conversation to have. For the first day of the event, we were formally welcomed into the area with a pofri, which is a formal Maori welcome event. We were welcomed onto the marae at Toi Ohomai Institute of Technology. After the formal welcoming of ceremony, to break the formalities, we have kai, which is food. And this is where I was introduced to Maori foods and the customs around Maori foods. In my time in New Zealand, I tried different lamb dishes, seafood like mussels, abalone, and fish that were like local to the area, either from the lakes in Rotorua, which is, if you translate Rotorua, it means two lakes. And I also tried fish from the ocean. I even tried their McDonald's food, not because I wanted to, but I had just landed in Auckland and I was feeling disoriented and kind of weird after such a long flight. I thought McDonald's would help, but it didn't. Since I was in New Zealand, I wanted to get the local Maori experience and not the tourist version. I decided to be adventurous with my food tasting. Along the way, I met some really great people who taught me a lot about Maori people and the language. And some of these people are Kitty Dell, Rachel Petero, Miro, Jade Atkins, Richard Jeffries, Graham Everton, Manuhiri, Carol Ann Hilton, Don Leach, Dara Kelly, Sarah Todd and Max, Arohai Tikanawa, Dave Archambault II, Enzo and Felix, and Nataru. Nataru was so nice and fun to hang out with, so I asked her about Maori foods and she introduced me to her brother, Nahari Wall. Nahari told me about Toroi, which he made for me with some of the ingredients from his backyard. So this is toroi, it's spelled T-O-R-O-I, toroi. And um, the toroi is when we mix the fern from there, pickle pickle, and then we have the mussel, kutai, and then these little things here are called piro, or the, or the, the row of the trout. And um, this is only just something new, so this, this is what gives different areas their uniqueness when they make this, this, uh, this, um, this toroi. So, um, and, and obviously, put it into the jar nowadays. You can leave it in the fridge, just leave it into the fridge because you don't want to be digging a hole and trying to store the stuff. Yeah. 
has a whole different appeal nowadays. So we utilize electricity in a fridge. Therefore, we let this sit in the fridge for as soon as it's made to a year. After a year, when if you open this in a year, it's like opening up a, a cold beer, you know, a cold can of beer. It's like a real, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So then, when it's when it's doing that flavor, you can guarantee it's kind of like a um, a laxative. <laughs> for some, <laughs> it, it could be like a laxative, if you know what I mean, because that's a, a, a bit of food. There's no expiry date on this if you wanted to, and there's no uh, no additives, no preservatives. It's all a la naturel, like you know. So, and the, but that's just how we that's how we utilize this food. Okay. But um, yeah, so at the moment this is fresh, okay. so that's why I'm saying that you like you know be able, it'll maybe a lot more palatable for you. Okay. I think that if this was a year old and I opened for you and gave it to you, just the smell alone. You'll be just like, do I trust this man? <laughs> do I really trust him? Is he, is he, he's not poisoning me here, but you know, with our elders, they'll just you know, they'll just dive straight in there because mm -hmm. that's the state that they love it at. Mm -hmm. that's, that's when and it's got a film, this blue film right around the top, and like and it looks like mold and mildew. But they, oh man, you just see their mouths drooling when they see that on them. Mm -hmm. They grab their spoon, they just mix it all together, and it just and it has a structure like that that looks whole. Soon as it's a, a year old. It'll still have that structure look about it with the penicillin stuff around the top. But as soon as you put your fork in, it just melts. It just like mm -hmm. turns into like mush. Mm -hmm. And then, and, 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 yeah, you, it, you get the picture of what I'm try, trying to say. When this is there for a year, can you, do, you, do you like it? No? No. Uh. Yeah, I, I, I've got modern taste buds. I'll eat this up to about a month, two months old. Mm -hmm. After that, yeah, I'm, I'm knocking at my limit. Oh, yeah, okay. For the others... For, as I said, for my elders, it's just getting to the stage of acceptable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where they'll eat it. They won't even touch this now in, in the state. Okay. I'll be going, no way, that's too fresh. Like, no, there's no, I'm going to eat that. Mm. Yeah, come see me in two months, boy. Listen, and that's when I'll, I'll probably eat it. Yeah. Okay. Did you, were you able to get a fork? Yeah. 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 He's talking about fermentation here. So yeah, so we're just only fitting that um, this being the World Indigenous Business Conference that we try and bring elements of our culture for our other brothers and sisters right around the world to have an opportunity to experience this type of food. So outside of pickle pickle, like um, preserving our food this way was obviously because we didn't have electricity and we didn't have fridge. So we had to find ways of making food last through the winter months. So obviously when the food is in it's available and it's in season we would harvest as many of it can as much of it as we could and then we would go through the um, process of fermentation just to, so we can get it through the winter months so that's why like you know it became a lot more palatable for our elders you know, rotten food was just part and parcel of everyday living uh, we would get the corn like corn and we do the same thing or um Put them into um, kete, but nowadays because of technology, we uh, use sugar bags. And we put we put all the corn kernels in the sugar bag, wrap it up, and then we'll put it inside the creek. We'll let it sit inside the creek as long as it's got good flowing water. Not too, not, not a lot of raging torrent because you don't want the creek to flood. Then all your you know, all your corn is floated downstream, and you know, so it had to be in just a decent enough stream. There was enough that had good flowing water. Put it inside there, weigh it down with a rock, and you'd leave it there for three months. And listen, we call that kangapito, and kangapito again just means rotten corn. But um, so, and then same thing. We did it that way because it could preserve over a long time. So when you need it, 
three after three months you could leave it in there for four months five months like no, seven months but whenever you needed it you just took it out of the creek and then it was ready to eat what you do is you just grab it hang it up in the tree let all the water drain out of it mash it up into like a paste then from the paste you could eat it just like that or you can pat it into little like um corn cakes if you wanted to and just put it in the fire it'll like cook in the fire and then you can eat it and it's kind of like a I don't know, corn bread type of food um yeah or, or you could like boil it down and it becomes like a porridge and then obviously when when white men came to our country and bought cows or we got cream so the fusion of cream and they also bought sugar the fusion of rotten corn cream and sugar or just elevated to a whole nother level like and, and the generations today prefer it that way but once again our elders they prefer it in its natural its natural state which is just plain and it's in, and they and they love it that way but obviously like you know, that's just some of the luxuries that we have today we have options about how we can and and, and enhanced flavor I suppose uh, so that was corn the other thing that we did was, was potatoes the same process uh, but we will we would peel the potatoes we'll, we'll put put it in the sugar bags put it in the creek and same thing just storage leave it there uh, and then when we pull that out of the water well that one's called kotero the corn one is called kangapiro rotten corn the other one's called kotero but it's but it's a um, it's a rotten potato and the same process again uh, when it's ready, hang it up in the tree, let the water drain out, pat it down into cakes. You can fry it on the fire, like on the fire, in some pork fat or, or oil, whatever you needed, and it'll come out like a like a, a fried bread. And when you eat it, it's got a real um, like a kind of it's like sourdough. It's it's like a really and really intense sourdough flavored bread, but it's but it's delicious. And the thing was with when our elders um, talk about the stories. The kids, when they used to go to school, they used to treasure the kōtero, like, but the thing is, is because it smelt, it'll, it'll permeate across the whole room, and everyone will just track you down and go, you've got kōtero on this, and you had to, like, break it into pieces and share it with all your cousins, who, like, they all huddle around you because, like, you know, it was, like, treasured, and, and not everyone's um, families did the kōtero, so you became the rock star within the school at that point in time, so to hear our elders telling these types of stories, our generation, just through curiosity, we thought we'd start giving it a go, and we made the kōtero, and then when we pulled it out, we're looking at it, and it looked like a decomposed, greyish, blackish mush of, like, like, bleh, like, you know what I mean? You get the picture of what I'm trying to say. But then when you hang it up, and you dry it, and, and all the water drains out, you open that bag again, and you start working it like flour, and it, and it, and it becomes workable, like, and you're looking at it, and it goes quite white, like, like no, actually like flour, like it gets quite dry. You might have to add a little bit more water into it just to make it pliable and um, and workable. But once you fry it, yeah, it just takes you to a whole another level. Like you now you look at it, it looks like bread. You taste it, it tastes like a real intense sourdough, but it's it's palatable. And then you put um, butter on it. You put a little bit of jam or honey or whatever condiment you want to put on top of it. But you know it just takes it takes it to a whole nother level but you know, but it's, it's it's nowadays like we have the luxury that we have the luxury of of food fusion like you know, with uh, contemporary ingredients with traditional ingredients but you know but that becomes more acceptable like you know through the way that we modernize food nowadays but um yeah so it just gives us options like you know fusing indigenous foods and and then and then projecting that out to the world so they get to experience us we take them to the traditional sides of food but we also can take them to the contemporary side of Māori food today
So those are just a couple of like a um, couple of aspects of what we do with food. Obviously, there's a lot more examples about like traditional food that we do have, but that just gives you a little insight into some of the food that we've gained from our um, our relatives who travel here and um, our European whānau, all our French whānau, when they come to Aotearoa. These are the types of kai that they introduced to us and we adapted. We used old traditional methods of preserving food and used the modern food that came off the ships and we kind of fused it into like food that we, we our generation now consider traditional. To our elders it's kind of like it's an introduced kai but they developed the old traditional technique of how to utilise that food. Yeah, so hope that gives you a little bit of insight into us as Māori people. Obviously like each area within the within within our islands here in um, Aotearoa in New Zealand, these different places have a unique way of doing food. Yeah, so like, but preserving this way, like we call it like a pedo, like you know, preserving fermentation was the was the most common way that we would preserve food apart from storing it in its natural form, either in the ground, um, just because it, it cools the condition, it acts like a fridge, or if it's going to be consumed sooner, we would put them up in the up in the air just so that the rats couldn't get at them. And these are like little houses built on a on a pole, and the pole just allowed uh, it wouldn't allow the rats to climb up. So what they'll do is they'll, they'll rub the pole really smooth so that they couldn't sink their claws in, and they couldn't climb up the pole. Then all the food was stored in, in the storehouses or pataka, and that's that's how we um, kind of safeguarded our food from from rodents. Yeah. And again, we ate the rodents too. So, but there's a whole other method about how we prepared the rodents as well. Yeah, but not the not the Captain Cook rodents that come over. These were like indigenous bush rats, mm-hmm. and they were a lot fatter, and they were eating natural nuts and berries, and you know you can just already see their flavour like permeating through their bodies when they were being deep fried. But anyway, I'll, I'll cut that one there before everyone starts salivating at the mouth from the conversation of um, eating rats. But yeah, so. Hopefully there was a good you know, bit of a talk there with you mm-hmm. and hopefully that goes out to um, the people tuning in and um, having a small insight to us as uh, First Nations people of Aotearoa, Māori and the way we associate ourselves and the importance of food to us as, as, as the people of this land. Tangata whenua. Kia ora. That was Nahari Wall. He gave me some toroi and here's my reaction to tasting it in my hotel room. Um, it's in a glass jar, so I can see that it looks like asparagus. Um, and I know that's trout eggs and mussels. And there's some other seasoning stuff. It looks like some seasoning stuff in there. But uh, it's been in a jar fermenting for three days. And now it's time to try it. And I'm a little scared. I'm excited. So let me get my fork. Okay, I'm gonna open the jar right now. Ah, it actually smells, it smells really good. You can really smell the, the mussels. You can smell, ooh, I don't know what that smell is. It's really good though. It's like earthy and very plant smelling. <laughs> plant smell. Uh, never had fern before. It looks like asparagus. Um, it has a pretty green color. 
Let me try a piece of that first. Without the without the mussels, without the eggs. Oh my gosh, it's good. <laughs> it it tastes exactly like it smells. Very earthy, very I don't want to say herbal, but it's like very like a plant. <laughs> I can't describe it. It's very good. I'm gonna get some of that fish egg. It's good. Um, it's like nothing I've ever tasted ever, ever, ever before. Um, it's, it's cold. It has some juice flowing around in there. Uh, the mussels are very tasty. I like the mussels a whole lot. The fish eggs don't really have a... I only had one. Let me see if I can grab some more. Definitely the, the fern has a has the texture of an asparagus. Hmm. Wow. It's good. Um, I know that a lot of these ingredients are from Nataru and uh, her brother's backyard, so it's very cool that they can just, uh, they know the ingredients, they know how to use them and put them together and this is a very traditional Maori dish, and I like it. Uh, <laughs> it is um, so different. <laughs> the smell is very good. The taste is very good. It tastes like it smells. That is that is turui, um, and I I guess that's pretty much it. Um, I got a whole jar. I wish I could take this with me to take it to Toasted Sister, but I can't travel with a glass jar of food. So I don't know what else to say. Uh, I have had fries sitting next to me because I didn't know how it was going to taste. But it doesn't need anything. Maybe a cracker. Um, but it's very good. I don't know why I was scared or nervous. I think it's the fermenting. The idea that it's going to be fermented, the, the thought was kind of uh, nervous, made me nervous. But it's a, it's a good. It's good when it's cold. The texture is like asparagus. The mussels are very good. Mm, I love the mussels, and the and the fish eggs don't have much of a taste. Um, maybe I just needed to grab a little bit more. You would expect it to have a seafood, a seafood, a really heavy seafood taste or aroma. No, it doesn't have that at all. So, yeah, that's very good. I'm very, I'm very glad to have tried it. And uh, that Nataru and her brother made it for us or made it for me. So hopefully, I can eat some more later. Okay, that's me trying Turui for the first time. Later, I meet Tuhikari during another event at the conference, and she explained to me abalone during tea time, which in New Zealand means lunchtime. I'm recording from my cell phone, and the audio is not 100%, but I tried abalone for the first time in a cream sauce with bread. 
It was so tasty that I probably had like five little cups. She's talking about pawa, which is abalone. Can you explain what it is again? Pawa, it's like an abalone. Yeah, so do you know what abalone is? No. Show you how. It's um, it's like I suppose you could kind of like it's kind of like a sea snail, but it's not a snail because like it's that big, and then it's got a shell. And like a lot of our, a lot of, like we make a lot of jewelry with that kind of stuff. It's like, beautiful, you so beautiful. Yeah, this is Emily, and we have Alicia. Alicia. <laughs> I'm just showing her about power because that power is the so It's the so it's power, and then it's the and the river. Yeah, so the rewana bread, the active ingredient in rising their bread is actually fermented potato. So that's what makes it rise. Yeah, so we have a, like a bug, you know, like how you have like a yeast bread, but our one like can take like a whole day to like, you know, like to kind of grow before you put the flour in and then you knead and then you let it rise again. And then like some people do, so some people leave it to rise once, some people leave it to rise twice. So my nanny took me, twice don't be lazy <laughs> make yeah. it rise twice and it actually um, like changes the texture of the bread mm. a good bread is when you can cut it and nothing falls off no crumbs very yeah. good very very good mm. that is but i will i will search and see what yeah, yes. okay. Perth. Oh, beautiful. I'm good. My brother lives in Perth and they have abalone, so 
it's all white. So you know how it's black? Mm-hmm. Theirs is white. So we're, that's the, New Zealand's the only place where black power is. Hey, it's like unique to New Zealand. <laughs> that's awesome. And we love it. Yeah. Wow, thank you for letting me share. Right. Look, so, so we've got restrictions on collecting it, like how many you collect and how big, because the power's got to grow so big before it releases its seed, like to, you know, regenerate the stocks. Yes. So if they take them when they're too little, they haven't even released any um, baby power. So people get their boats, their cars, their everything confiscated if they, um, if they poach. That was Tuihikari talking about abalone, which became my favorite dish while I was there in New Zealand. So the WIBF conference brought indigenous people from all over the world together to relate and discuss the growth, emergence, and the resiliency of indigenous business. I loved my trip to New Zealand. I loved it so much. And I have nothing but powerful and enlightening memories of my time there. I want to thank everyone at Tangata Whenua of Rotorua Everyone who shared their story with me and showed me the power of indigenous women. Manawahine, Ahiehe, Kiora. That was my sister, Alicia Murphy. Indigenous Comic Con is coming up really quick. It's November 2nd to the 4th here in Albuquerque, New Mexico at the Isleta Casino. There will be panel sessions on things like colonialism and horror films, indigenous futurisms, and zines. Of course, there will be a whole bunch of native comic book artists and writers there too. I will also be there along with Chef Brian Yazzie, and we're going to be doing some food events and manning some booths. For more information, visit indigenouscomiccon.com or look for the event on social media. And as you know, the end of the year is approaching and you're going to need a new wall calendar. Why not fill this space in your office or in your kitchen with some native food? I shot and printed a 2019 Native American food calendar. It includes beautiful dishes from many of the chefs you heard from in this podcast, including Anna Sattler's smoked salmon dip, Felicia Cocoxin Ruiz's green water pozole, and Carlos Baca's roasted Gedea Cosumen bisque. Your purchase, along with other donations and purchases, always go to keeping this podcast alive. And music was created for Toasted Sister by CWION. Follow this duo on social media to see where they're playing next. And check out CWION.com to hear more of their awesome blues music. That's CWAYON.com. I'm Andy Murphy, host, producer, and creator of the Toasted Sister podcast. And we'll see you real soon at Indigenous Comic Con. So come say hi! Hi!